Welcome to Apparently Speaking, the podcast from Northeast Ohio Parent with your host, Miriam Connor. Hi, this is Miriam. Welcome to Apparently Speaking, your podcast for all things parenting. Many parents, including me, regularly share photos and information about our kids online. Sharenting. How much thought do you put into what and how you're sharing? My guest today, Stacey Steinberg, author of the book, Growing Up Shared, is going to talk about that and much more. She has a lot of thought-provoking information to share with parents about how parents can share smarter on social media and what you can do to keep your family safe in a no-privacy world. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Stacey Steinberg is a legal skills professor at the University of Florida, Levin College of Law, where she supervises the Gator Team Child Juvenile Law Clinic. She's an internationally sought after expert on children's privacy. Steinberg's work has been cited by news and research organizations, including NPR, the New York Times, the Washington Post, CNN, and the children's rights arm of the United Nations, UNICEF. She contributes to On Parenting from the Washington Post and is a self-taught photographer. Steinberg previously worked as a special victims unit prosecutor and as a children's legal services attorney. She lives with her husband and three kids in Florida. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. It's so great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yes, I appreciate it. You know, um, your book, Growing Up Shared, I read the whole book. I was telling you before we started and I, and I really got a lot out of it. I really like. I mean, even the title just kind of made me stop and think for a minute. I like, I love the title, by the way, but growing up shared, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, our kids today are growing up shared, most of them. And um, it just really, the title alone was thought provoking. And one thing I want to say before we start um, a quote from your book is, my goal is to inform parents, not to cast judgment on any parents. I thought that was important to note. Um, because, you know, and that's what you do throughout the book. And you say, you know, hey, I do I do this too. And and you you, you are on social media and you do share, but you're going to give us a lot of ways, you know, a lot of information to help us be more informed. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when I, when I titled the book, I really thought a lot about how our kids are the first generation of kids to grow up shared. Um, but also we are the first generation of parents to raise kids alongside social media. And you know, that, that, that it's a challenging new world that we're facing with, with raising our kids. Um, and we don't really have past experiences, you know, elders to guide us or our own experiences as kids who grew up on our own parents' news feeds to kind of reflect on and, and, and adjust our behaviors. So we're really kind of this big social media experiment is taking place, you know, within our homes and on our news feeds. And, um, and that's where a lot of it comes down to giving ourselves some grace. You know, we haven't really thought through these issues until now. And um, and it's going to be a little bit of trial and error. But the more well-informed parents can be when they're making their decisions, the better off their kids will be. Absolutely. So what? how did you come to write the book? So, um, you know, when I, my oldest is 15. Um, when my second was born, he's now 10. Um, I really admired the photographer who came to our house to take pictures. And I decided that I wanted to start taking pictures as well. Um, and so I got a camera, I started to learn. Um, and I had social media. And as I shared pictures, uh, friends would start to ask me if I would take their children's pictures. And before I knew it, I had a small photography business alongside being a law professor. 
Um, and since my, my career was being a law professor, the photography business, um, I really wanted to find a way to make it some sort of like a hobby or a way to give back. So I started to do a lot of um, free photography for families with kids with special needs. Um, we have a major children's hospital in our area. So offering pictures to families who had children with chronic medical conditions like cancer. Um, and uh, those pictures, I would help the families share them. The families would share them for a lot of really important and good reasons. You know, they would uh, share to raise awareness. They might share um, for fundraising support for their own families or for larger causes that, you know, whatever their child was, was going through. Um, but also sharing because it really builds community. You know, it helped the parents feel connected to the people back home. You know, a lot of people traveled here for treatment, but it also helped the kids, the kids feel connected. You know, despite the four walls of their hospital, they were really connected to people all over the globe who cared about them and gave them support. Um, and so as I was sharing and as I was helping other families share, I started to um, to think about it in the context of what I did as a lawyer, which is being a children's rights lawyer. And I started to wonder whether all of this sharing could potentially have a negative impact on these kids and, and on my own kids. And so I set out to see if there was information that I should know about and if there was a better way to share our stories. So it really found its genesis in self-reflection. Um, I wrote a very short essay about it for uh, the Washington Post back in 2015. Um, and I had um, our dean at the law school was really supportive and encouraged me to dig deeper and to look at it um, as an academic. And, um, and I wrote a law review article about it. Um, and it turned out there really weren't many people studying this, especially not many lawyers. And, um, and so that's kind of where it all started. It, it really, I, I didn't set off to write this book, but I'm really, um, I'm really glad that I was able to work through it and create this final product. Yeah, me too. That's a, a really good story. And you definitely, obviously, you have the background for it just with, you know, your legal background and everything. And I think that, you know, like you said, we're kind of the, we are the first generation of parents to do this and, and the first generation of kids. And um, I just think, you know, like you said, I don't think a lot of thought, you know, it's no big deal. We just think we, oh, that's such a cute picture. I'm going to put it on there. You know, my friends, you know, are going to make comments and ha ha. And oh, it's so cute. You know, all those kind of things like you do to your friends post. You know, I like seeing my friends' um, children on there and I'll make comments because I, I like to see that. Or, you know, sometimes people that you don't get to see very often, but you can kind of feel, still feel like a little connected or you know what's going on. Um, I just don't think there's a lot of thought in it. Maybe some people sit and, and really have a, a pre-calculating, you know what they're going to post. But, um, and, and some, another quote I wanted to, to point out from your book, you know, you said, I'm an adult. And when I put my own, own life on display, I'm ultimately responsible for the outcomes. But my younger kids, they didn't get a choice. They had a digital identity long before they were able to speak their own words. And I'm like, and you know, you talked a story about, you know, being in the hospital and having your son and, um, you know, that, They'll have to read the book, but, you know, and just how, you know, it does, it starts then and you post it right away, you know, as soon as people have the baby and, and, you know, it goes on from there and, you know, we don't have to think like, would the kids want this or, or not, you know, especially at that young age. Right. That yeah. we don't, we don't think about it, you know, right away. And, and social media, like it's, it's instantaneous sharing, like the platform doesn't really lend itself for reflection and drafts and edits, you know, we yeah. post and then it's there. Um, and I love to share and, um, 
And I, I think that it's, you know, having that extra step of kind of thinking how will this impact our kids can really make our sharing um, a lot safer, you know, and, and when I think about safety, I'm not really just talking about like digital kidnapping and things like that, but I'm talking about safer in terms of like our ch children's well-being and our relationship with our kids as they get older. So like, let's talk about that a little bit, you know, their well-being and, and relationship as they get older, like kind of things where they might look back and say, I really, you know, that's embarrassing or I, I wouldn't want everyone to, to know all that about me or like, what do you mean exactly? Yeah. So I think that exactly what you said, you know, um, in being embarrassing are things that they don't want others to know about them. You know, um, when we share and tell our stories, part of our stories is our children's experiences, right? And so we're telling these stories from our perspective. Um, one of the earliest uh, stories that I have, that I think of when, you know, in, in our own house was um, when my son, my oldest was born, it was actually before social media. Um, but, um, I had uh, quesadillas the night before I went into labor, and a lot of my other friends also had quesadillas right before they went into labor, and our babies were born the next day, and they were all from this one restaurant, and we thought it was so funny, and we, you know, the newspaper did a story about us and our babies and the oh, quesadillas. Um, and now if you search my son's name in our town, the first thing that comes up is this story about these quesadillas that, you know, his mother ate before he was born, um, which, you know, luckily he has a good sense of humor and he yeah. doesn't mind. But, you know, it did, you know, one of his teachers thought it would be funny to base an essay question in middle school on that story because they oh. had heard about it. Right. Um, not to mention that we're Jewish and it was shrimp quesadillas. You know, so like there, there are these like little things that we're putting out there and, you know, over the course of a child's, you know, you know, time between before they turn 18, the amount of digital information that we're putting out into the, to the universe is just staggering. You know, you and I, well, I don't know how old you are, but if you're anywhere close to my age, older, older than you for sure. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, like our digital footprints happened when we were like relatively fully formed adults, you know, for like sure. none of my like you know, sorority day pictures are out there and, and neither are like my high school, my high school accomplishments as much as like they're right. cool. Like I, I didn't, you know, they're not out there. And so what's challenging is that what I think my kids will appreciate me sharing now might be different than what they appreciate mm -hmm. 10 years from now. Um, and I haven't really solved that for myself. Like I have, my 10 year old is a competitive gymnast. Um, and so I share a lot about his gymnastics. Um, Right now, he's really happy with me sharing all of it. Um, but I hope that there's a way that in 10 years, if he doesn't want everyone to know he was a competitive gymnast, that he has a way to, to change that digital footprint. And so that's where, you know, some of the legal ideas that I have near the end of the book about giving kids the right to change their digital footprints could be really important because there is value in sharing our stories, but there's also value in kids being able to decide which stories of their own yeah, I, I like that, you know, that you're saying, you know, it is, there is value in kids being able to decide. And obviously when they're little, you know, they don't have that, that decision, you know, they don't even know what's going on when they're real little. And I mean, I, I post stuff with my kids and I don't consider myself an, an overshare, but we also don't look at ourselves, you know, with the most critical eye sometimes as we do at other people. But, um, you know, it's funny because now my kids are 17, 14 and 10. And so, you know, they definitely, um, you know, my, I'll, I'll just like want to take a picture of them. You know, it's funny. I'm like, oh, that's cute. And, you know, my, my older two, you know, will say, you know, don't post this. Are you going to post this? And I'm like, 
no, I'm not going to post it. I just want a picture. And so mm-hmm. that makes me think like, you know, I don't post every, everything. I really don't, you know, and I'm like, I don't, I just want a picture for us, for myself, just, you know, I'm not going to post it. And, you know, my oldest, of course, she'll, you know, and she's a girl. So of course she'll want to approve it first, which I understand, you know, <laughs> if I am going to post something, you know, let me see it. No, don't post that one. Post this one. And my son, um, he's not, he doesn't really care probably either way, but he doesn't love stuff to be posted. But I, you know, it depends. Like he does, he does a lot of sports and he does a lot of art. So he doesn't mind his art being posted. You know, he's not in it. This is art, you know, because he, he likes that. And, um, but my 10 year old, I mean, she's funny because she'll say, post it, post it, you know, (laughs) Each child has a different preference as to what's shared or what's not shared, you know? And so it's it's just interesting because we really want to get to know our kids with it. I do think that a lot of kids, it seems like, are are they become more private as they get older with what's yes. shared um, and more calculated. Um, yes. My oldest did an amazing video about his, grand, his great-grandparents who were Holocaust survivors. And it's like, it's this amazing video. And he was so... He, he, he wanted to share it, but he wanted to share it a very particular way, you know? And as, as his mom, I like, as soon as it was done, wanted to like broadcast it to the world. Yeah. But I really had to respect his decisions as to how it got to the world. He knew it would get to the world, but he wanted to be in charge of how and, you know, under what circumstances. Yeah. And I do think that's important. And I, I will like kind of, you know, if I'm going to post something, you know, with the older two, I will say like, I wanted to post this because I just think it's, it's really sweet or I think it's, I'm really proud of this or whatever. And so I will ask them, you know, are, are you okay with that? Um, and, you know, same with my younger, but like I said, her answer is always going to be yes. But, um, and I also do think, um, you know, one of the things you talk about in the book is kind of like stop and ask ourselves, you know, why, like, why, why do we want to post this? Why is this particular thing so important to post? Um, and some people, you know, post, I mean, every second of their day, you know, and some people not as much, but, you know, you had some thought provoking, you know, like, how are we posting it, first of all? And then what are the reasons that parents share? And we're going to take a quick break. And then we'll talk about that a little bit when we come back. So we're right back. Hey, this is Miriam from Apparently Speaking. Join the Mazda family like I did at Montrose Mazda Kent. You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Okay, so, you know, we're, I said before the break, you know, how parents share and why parents share, you know, you talk about in the book. And, and so let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So um, after the years that I've spent on this topic, I'll kind of start with what it is that I still struggle with and kind of we can work back to like solutions I found for other people. Sure. Um, but what I still really struggle with is the idea that um, when we post to social media, it takes us out of the moment and puts us into the news feed. And so if we're walking around with our cameras in our pocket or our phones in our pocket, and we're taking it out because we see something cute, and then we're, we take the picture, and we've kind of distracted our kids from the moment that they're in, we've kind of taken their attention away from what it was that they were doing that was so special to begin with. Um, and we've documented it, and then we're like cropping it and editing it and then thinking about posting it we've left that sacred space that we thought was so valuable to begin with that brought the phone out. Um, And and so I I think that I still really struggle with this, that 
as somebody who loves the idea of memories and loves the idea of kind of freezing time, not necessarily just because I want to share it with other people, but because I want to remember it 20 years from now, like we have these recording devices so easily accessible, but I worry that it can do damage to our, the relationships we have with our kids and also potentially with our kids' memories. Um, there have been studies that suggest that if we replay an incident, for example, too close in time to when it happened, we kind of change the perspective of what it is that we just saw. And the example I use in the book is like, if your child's in a dance performance and you videotape it, you know, your child is experiencing being on stage from the perspective of the performer. She's feeling her tap shoes hit the wood floor be below her. She's seeing the bright lights in her eyes. She's feeling the itchiness of her costume or, you know, seeing the people that are standing next to her performing. Those are the memories we want her to remember about being in a performance. But what we end up doing is we videotape it because it's so easy to videotape it. And then it's so easy to replay it now that they, our child gets off the stage and we flip the camera and we show it to them. And so now no longer is the memory of the dance, the perspective of the performer, the memory of the dance is the perspective of the audience member. member. Um, and so I think it's really important that if we are documenting, we really try to be a fly on the wall um, and not replay it instantly for our kids. And I struggle with this a lot, um, you know, with my son with gymnastics, for example, I want to record it and on the way home, I'm so excited about it that I'm talking about it, but I want him to remember what it felt like to be, you know, a, on the on the gymnastics floor on the high bar not what it looked really like. powerful to think about yeah does he want to see it right away or is he he loves to see it he wants to see it and he wants to think about how he could have done it differently or this and that yeah but he, you know but he's only 10 like the, the it's not about how well he performed it's about the fact that he got out there and when we when we show them what they look like it's it takes it away from just doing the thing um you know, so I think that that's important. Or if you're having a really powerful bonding moment with your kiddo, you know, um, with my oldest, for example, we're doing, um, we're going to Orange Theory Fitness now together regularly. Yeah. And it's so cool. And I'm like, so, so excited that we're doing it. And, um, but like, sometimes like I get so caught up in like, you know, I don't know, I guess not really documenting, but you get like the email right afterwards with how hard you worked out and comparing who worked out harder. Like it kind of takes away from just we're sitting in the car sweating and just driving home together. Um, so so I think those are some of the things that I still struggle with. But some of the things that I think I, I've worked on um, and that the book research really helped me with is the idea that we really need to make more uh, a more um, um, we need to, to make a bigger effort to to take out our phones, to post the actual images, to check for feedback, to read and review the comments. Um, with uh, We need to be more conscious about when it is that we're doing those things. Um, and I think we also need to involve our kids um, in that feedback loop because kids don't get their, you know, kids end up getting their social media accounts, unfortunately, by like 13 or 14 years old. Um, and for many of them, they go from never interacting on social media at all to having no protections on social media whatsoever. Um, the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, for example, gives kids under 13 years of age certain protections, but kids that are over that age have no more protections than adults do. So um, I really think that we can really use our social media accounts more as training wheels for our kids. You know, there's no learner's permit time on social media um, by law. So we need to create that for ourselves and our families. That's really, I think that was really good stuff. You know, just everything. It, it really make, you know, I'm thinking as you're saying it, like, 
us, yeah, you know, about interrupting that actual that special time and just, you know, when to do it and all that. And, and you know, we, I've talked about this before on the show, what, you know, although it's okay to post, it's okay not to also. Yeah, like, like it'll it, happen, it's okay. <laughs> The moment still happens, even if everyone doesn't know about it. That's right. That's right. So it's okay. You know, and you even talk about, you know, avoiding the overshare trap. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, you'll go through your feed and you think like, okay, I know I'm going to see 20 posts from, you know, (laughs) so-and-so. And And they're not bad posts, but it's like, wow, every, you know, maybe every single thing. And it's hard because parenthood, family life, it's so beautiful, you yeah. know, like I know why we're tempted to share it. It's because it's, it's, it's a miracle and it's beautiful. And, um, and we want to feel connected with the people around us by appreciating the beauty together. Yes. And it is true. And, you know, I like it, you know, maybe not like some of the things I'm like, ay, ay, but I do like to see, you know, my friends when they post their, their things about their kids and it's like, oh yeah, that's, oh, that's sweet. Or that was funny. Or that's a great job. Or I wouldn't have known about that otherwise. So now I can say like, oh, that's such a great thing they're doing, or that they did such a great job at this event or, you know, like your son with gymnastics, like, well, you know, I'm sure a lot of your friends wouldn't have known. So then they can, and they like to kind of celebrate that with you guys so there is benefit from it but right there's also you know like like all the things you said there's also you know some takeaways to maybe think about and so we're going to take another quick break i want to talk about you know you kind of talk about staying safe so that's another aspect of it um you know staying safe when you're sharing so we'll be right back hey this is miriam from apparently speaking join the mazda family like i did at montrose mazda kent You'll love the selection of new and used cars and lease options. We are on our third car from Kent Mazda. We keep going back because of the ease of purchase, and it has been by far the best deal we could find each time. Montrose Mazda Kent, they go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Okay, so now, you know, we kind of talked about things from one aspect, you know, maybe like why we share and maybe just to be a little bit more mindful about what and when and how and all of that. But what about the, the safety um, issue of it? Yeah, so the, the, there are some risks that are really tangible as well that parents need to be aware of when they're sharing. Um you know, some of them um, deal with images and some of it deals more with data. Um, and, and honestly, images are data. So kind of it's, it's all one pot in some ways. Um, I'll give you two statistics that I found really powerful in my work. Um, one is that um, the Australian e-safety commissioner um, in the, who kind of monitors kids' safety and other forms of safety online in Australia, um, a few years back, um, he did, I don't think it was a formal study, but an, an informal study, he reported that about 50% of all of the images on pedophile image sharing sites had originated on family blogs and social media. And what that means is that innocent images that parents were posting of their kids um, doing very regular things that kids do um, were being uh, screenshotted and saved by uh, pedophiles, the people with pedophilia in- interests, and they were being sh- stored in, in files and shared with other pedophiles. Um, and so these images, even though you and I see them as innocent, 
other people were using them for illicit purposes. Um, and then going even deeper on that, um, a, a paper I wrote um, a few years back focused on something called morphed child pornography, which I don't think gets a lot of attention at all um, here in the United States. But we hear about the, the concept in the context of like revenge pornography or even with celebrities that you can take an image and you can digitally alter the file. And what what um, a new way that pornography is being made is ch children's images are being manipulated where like an innocent face of a child is being morphed with a sexualized image of an adult. And so a child might not be, in, be harmed by the creation of the image like they would be if there was an image of actual child pornography, but that child can certainly be harmed by the circulation of the image. Um, and then, so th that's one piece. And then another thing that really concerned me is the, um, the idea that, um, that sharenting could be responsible for a significant amount of data theft um, 10 years from now. And Barclays, um, which is a, a big investment firm out of the UK, had done a st study, and I don't have the statistics in front of me, but that a significant portion of identity theft cases were going to be directly tied to parent sharing. Um, and some of the things that I think about that causes that risk is, you know, we're sharing children's date of birth, full names um, in public spaces. We're sharing um, mother's maiden name by having our own, um, you know, maiden name on our Facebook pages. And so um, with the increase in artificial intelligence and the ability to collate and aggregate data, um, companies and bad actors are having the ability to really create um, detailed profiles on our kids. Um, we know that this stuff can happen to us. It's really scary when we think that it's happening to our kids as well. So other than deleting everything, which is what I want to do right now. <laughs> yeah. If you say all that, what are, what, what are some options? What can, what, what can we do to make it? It's never going to be 100% safe. We know that. If you're doing anything online, that's like kind of the risk you take. You know, nothing can be 100%, you know, erased or 100% safe. But what can we do to kind of, minimize that a little bit. Yeah. So first of all, just like you said, there's nothing we can do to be 100% safe. And anytime we choose to share, we choose to allow other people a glimpse into our personal lives. Um, there are some things that I have chosen to do based on my research. Um, and, um, and so what I would encourage parents to do is, you know, to think very carefully about sharing personal identifiable information in public spaces. Um, to delete information after it's been shared, um, if it no longer has value, although we know that it still can exist in various forms. Um, something kind of interesting, like with Facebook, um, uh, there's a deactivation setting that a lot of uh, people that I that I know, including sometimes myself, will deactivate Facebook for a little while um, to kind of take a social media break. You know, that information doesn't disappear. It's still on social Facebook's, um, you know, servers. And when we think about Facebook, we know that there have been data breaches before. I mean, there was just a huge one where 500 million people's data was stolen. You know, just deleting or deactivating doesn't necessarily make it all go away. Um, so kind of thinking about that, what are the best ways we can make things go away? You know, is when we put a picture in the trash folder, is it really gone until we permanently delete it? Um, we can advocate for better policy. You know, I think that in a lot of other countries, there is more protection for data um, than there is here in the United States. Um, we can be careful not to share pictures of kids in any state of undress. Um, we can delete pictures when they no longer have use, you know, so kind of go back through old pictures and take things down. 
Um, Facebook doesn't make it super easy to do that, but right. think about just how many posts you've made. It's, you know, it's intense. One thing that I, I tend to do, um, especially when I'm feel, feeling my like fierce protectiveness come out, which I will say it ebbs and flows sometimes, is that I use like the time hop or the um, app or the memories feature to be able to see what I've shared. And it kind of creates like, if I do that every day for 365 days, then I've cleaned up my social media feed from the last 10 years, right? Because I've seen everything I've posted that day since Facebook first came out and I've deleted things that no longer need to be out there. Um, and so, so that's a step, you know, it's, it's hard though, because those memories are really precious too. Like we've yeah. gotten away from journals and baby books. And so when we delete that for a lot of parents, they're deleting their journal and they're deleting their baby book. That's true. Right. It's a hard thing to think about to delete all of that. Um, just because like you said, it's like, well, I don't, I don't have it anywhere else. I need to get, you know, that kind of thing. It's on some old computer somewhere, <laughs> my, you know, that I don't, you know, I haven't gotten the pictures off of. I'm guilty of that. Um, so when we share though, you know, definitely, you know, kind of like, like you said, just be mindful of maybe what the kids are doing, what they're wearing, what the, you know what I mean? Just maybe the, what, how it could be perceived and know that, you know, maybe you're sharing it to your friends, but just a lot of times on Facebook, it's such a wide range, you know, and, and other people can share it and things like that. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Keep in mind that anything you share, someone, someone in the audience can screenshot it. You know, yeah. they can turn it into a meme, you know, they can do a lot of different things with it. So I think that if we're careful before we put it out there to begin with, is probably the best thing that we can do ask Definitely. our kids how they feel about it, start talking about social media early and often, um, you know, and, um, and, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, I really think this needs to be part of childbearing discourse. You know, we spend a lot of time over coffee or in new mom groups talking about how we're going to discipline our kids, how we're going to feed our kids. I think another chapter in that what to expect book needs to be, how are we going to share about our kids? Yeah. That's something that no one, you know, they don't think about. Like you said, you're just, you're in the hospital, boom, you know, let's start sharing right away. Right. Yeah, that's a great, you know, just like you said, talk about it ahead of time, research, you know, read your book, find, you know, good resources and then, and really think about it. And I know um, just because of time, we won't get to it, but there's so much more in your book, you know, that you do talk about, you know, teens and social media. So you have some great information there. Um, modeling, better online sharing. There's so many other, so many other um, pieces of information that you have in the book that that's really valuable and really wonderful. So, how can we find you and your book? Um, so, the best place to find my book, um, well, it's it's available anywhere books are sold. But probably the easiest thing is to go to Amazon um, and to to buy it. You'll have it the next day or the day after. <laughs> you could also get it through like so many. I mean, Barnes and Noble, uh, Walmart, Target, all those websites will have it as well. But you can get it quickly um, through Amazon. Um, you can go to my website, um, stacysteinberg.com, um, and you can see links to be able to purchase my books. Um, you can, uh, read a few of the articles that I've written on that as well. Um, and, uh, I'm also on Twitter, SG Steinberg. Um, and I don't believe I'm on Facebook right now, um, with the book. Um, so you won't find me on Facebook right now. All right. So lots of ways to find you, lots of ways to find, um, your book and then your website, a lot of great information. So I want to thank you again so much for being here, Stacey. I really enjoyed it. So it's really good information and really 
really thought-provoking for me personally. Um, just giving me a lot to think about. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me. It was great to talk to you today. Thanks a lot. This episode is sponsored by Montrose Mazda Kent. They go around the world for you. Before you look, call or stop in and talk to Jeremy. Find out more at MazdaKent.com. Thank you for listening to Apparently Speaking. Listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Podbean, and iHeartRadio. Find the podcast and much more at NortheastOhioParent.com. Like Apparently Speaking on Facebook and email me at podcast at NortheastOhioParent.com.